Hey, I'm Lauren. I'm Steph. And this is Design Beat. Hey, you guys. Lauren here. Welcome back to another episode of Design Beat, where we share the stories of creative women who dance to the beat of their own drum. We hope you come away uplifted, inspired, and encouraged to go for it. Today, we have a very special guest. So, Clint, my husband, gave me some feedback on the podcast and said I need to maybe tone down the fangirling, but (laughs) unfortunately... This is not the week for that because we're talking to Trisha Zemp, the queen of stop motion. Trisha is one of those guests you probably already know who probably doesn't need an introduction, but just in case, here we go. Trisha is a stop motion animator and co-founder of Golden Coil. She has worked with, well, um, everyone, <laughs> including Condé Nast, Warner Brothers, Martha Stewart Living, Voth and Batty Work. Bath, whoa, Bath and Body Works, Netflix, Audible, and so many more. Don't know if you've heard of any of those, but most importantly, she's just a really great person, which you will hear in this interview. We talk about doing what feels right because if it feels right, it is right. We also talk about how your weaknesses might actually be your strengths, the power in being yourself, how Golden Coil came to be and looking at social media as a way to create a community. This is a really amazing episode, and I am so excited for everyone to hear it. Trisha, thank you so much for being on our podcast with us. We're so excited. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thanks for having me, guys. I love your podcast. I love to listen to all your episodes. I'm a big fan. Thank you. You're so so nice. We're so amazed and interested in what you do, not only with, obviously, stop motion, beautiful photography, illustration, you know, paper cutouts, all this amazing stuff. And then you do a golden coil as well. So if (laughs) anyone not who doesn't know who Trisha is, she is like the queen. She's She's everything. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's true. (laughs) Oh, it's true. It's really true. So I learned about you from Photo Native. Oh my gosh, I'm actually wearing my t-shirt today. That is such a coincidence. Um, (laughs) No, but you were at Photo Native the first year of Photo Native. Yes, I I taught in that first year. And then I taught again a a couple years later, I think. Yeah, like the second or third year. Yeah, and it was awesome. Photo native is so fun. I know. I cross my fingers someday it comes back, but that would be amazing. They had a really great sense of community there. I really like how yeah. they how they built people up in photo yeah, native. And and that's what I loved about it too, was just the camaraderie and the you know, community before competition. I feel like I wasn't just a slogan, but totally. Um, anyway, and I was just really excited about what you did and it was so cool and <laughs> So I'm glad it came full circle and here we are. Yay. Um, so real quick. So we kind of like to open in like the episode with our rapid fire questions. Okay. We just kind of grill you on the spot. Um, <laughs> so, you know, no pressure, but if you say the wrong answer, it's going to affect people, the whole interview. Yeah. We'll like, think of you differently. You don't have the right <laughs> studio snack. You are not a credible person on this podcast. 
Speaking of, okay, so what is your favorite studio snack then? Okay, my favorite sugary studio snack. I love having toffees in my drawer. Um, you know, what like, is that? It's <laughs> like the cookie ones. Well, they're they're like, like they're oh, like the trays yeah. of like caramel nougaty mm-hmm. chocolate mm-hmm. with like a nut, in, like a hazel, a nut inside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're yes. so good. Yes. Except for I can see in my mind now. I eat them way too fast, and so <laughs> I have to. I buy like a lot of trays of them, and then I hide them, and I and I use them as a reward. I'm like, if I send this email, I can have another one. <laughs> <laughs> and then my favorite like fruit snack or or like uh, like more healthy, not sugary snack is like frozen. Mandarin oranges. Thanks, TikTok, for teaching me that. Frozen. Do you freeze the entire thing or like peel it? You freeze it with the peel on. You freeze (gasps) it with the peel on. And then you take it out and let it like rest for 20 minutes. You peel it off and it just tastes like frozen, like orange sorbet. Like it's just incredible. I learned this off of TikTok and I will now eat like, instead of a bowl of ice cream, I'll eat like four oranges every night. Like these are like, they're so good. And I'm trying to be a lot better about my sugar intake. And so I'll just eat oranges. Adding mandarin oranges. Seriously, I like have some. I'm gonna go put them in the freezer right after this. Seriously, do it. It's so good. Yeah, I've heard of frozen grapes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like frozen grapes. I can imagine it's like almost the same, but like way better. It's good in Japan. It's something that they do like for all their school age children. Every day you get like a frozen mandarin. So if you talk to someone from Japan, they're like it's totally normal. But in the United States, they're like this is magic. Yes. Okay, I'm excited. So yes, those are my favorite studio snacks. That's awesome. That is perfect. What is your favorite pump up song? Ooh. Oh, you guys, I have a pump up playlist. Um, back, share it with us. Back in black is like my favorite one. Cause oh, I always, yes. I always wear black in the studio for, so I don't cause reflections when I'm shooting animations. Oh, and yeah. so I'll be like, back in black. But this is my jam that pumps me up, gets me ready to animate, you know, immigrant That's song amazing. by Led Zeppelin. I have like a very like hardcore. <laughs> And I don't listen to it all the time when I animate, but it's like, if I'm like starting to slog, I'll be like, all right, pump up list. Or before I start to shoot an animation, it's like, I'm going to be sitting down for like hours. I'll turn on my pump up list and I'm like, I'm back in black. And I'm just like pumping. I'm going at it. (laughs) And then I turn on my like audiobook or podcast and then I like zone and just like start animating. Those are embarrassing things I've never told anyone. That is awesome. (laughs) No, heard it here first. Back in black. Seriously, I love that. It is a bit of an intense pop-up playlist. I want to hear it. I know. I like need to hear it now. Do you have Spotify? I do, but don't look for me on Spotify because I don't know how to private my playlists and I have some (laughs) dirty playlists. (laughs) So I need to probably figure out how to hide them before this episode airs. We're going to be like, what is she listening to? (laughs) Just just remember that, guys, going in. Yeah. You get what you go for. (laughs) I'm actually really, I don't listen to explicit music, but some of the playlists have a purpose. Never mind. You know what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Edit that part out. My parents can't hear that. I'm dying. It like took me a minute to realize what you're saying. Oh, man. Now I'm so embarrassed. I've lost all credibility. No one can hear me anymore. No. (laughs) 
Oh, oh, I have like tears from laughing and embarrassment. <laughs> oh man! I don't mean to embarrass you. Okay. No, it's great. It's great. Creative tool. What is your favorite creative <laughs> tool? Procreate. 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 Procreate is amazing. I mean, I also love Dragon Frame, which is like the stop motion software that you use to create videos. Software is amazing. It's so good. So, like, my favorite creative tool, like in animation. Dragon frame. But then of course my favorite creative tool just to like play with is procreate. I love that I'm not married to anything I create and procreate. I can just like two finger tap and it like disappears. And that's amazing because like I love illustrating and illustration, but I'm not like inherently talented at drawing. So I will make a line and it'll be imperfect and I can two finger tap and I can do it again and it'll be imperfect and I can two finger tap and I can do it again and I can do that until I'm like I nailed it. You know? yes. First <laughs> try. So, yeah. First try. Nobody watched the replay on that one. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And then you go to paper and you're like, why am I not doing this perfectly? Do you ever double tap? Triple tap yes. on the paper. And I'll zoom in. I'll zoom in. Like, why? <laughs> or I'll try to like control Z on life. Sometimes I'm like, oh, control Z that. And I'm like, I can't do that with like real life decisions. But on Procreate, you can. On your computer, you can. <laughs> Okay. Um, what is your favorite place in the world? It's pretty open-ended. Home. Home. <laughs> Home oh. I love my studio. I love, like, I love being able to create in my studio. I love, I, I've been really this past year focusing on trying to create like an oasis of comfort in my home and making it in a place that like I love spending my time. And with COVID, that's just been something that I've been really intentional about. Like if I don't think this pillow is comfortable, it's gone. Like new comfortable, <laughs> like it's being donated, new comfortable pillow. Or I just, I put a lot of intentionality into my home, into my organization of my home, into my studio. And it's my favorite place to be. <laughs> I mean, and then of course there's like places in the world that are great to go, but they're just not home. They just aren't as comfortable at home. When you leave home, you experience the world differently with fresh eyes and it's different. And I love doing that too, but my favorite place is my home. Yeah. Well, they say too that you travel, um, not to see the world, but to see your world differently when you come back. Yes. Yes. I love that. I love that. I feel that. It, it's different, but it's the same and familiar, and it's it's home. I you like, appreciate yeah. it more. Mm-hmm. Totally, I love that. That's wise words from Steph. She <laughs> is full of wise words. Let me tell you, I know this because I've been listening, and I'm like, you too. The wisdom. I just feel like I get too philosophical. I'm like, okay, let's analyze this. Oh no, I love that. That's like my favorite thing. It's a good I love. Balance. I love when I get the ad. I'm like, yeah, let's analyze it. Yeah. <laughs> I love to listen to it. (laughs) You're so nice. Okay. Um, Okay. Last question. What is your favorite hobby outside of stop motion or design? Okay. I flip flop hobbies all the time as, as a way to keep myself fresh. (laughs) And so a couple of years ago, my husband and I, we got like crazy into pottery and we'd, we'd go through a pottery twice a week together. And it was something we learned (sighs) together and it was so much fun. And then recently he signed me up for a stained glass class. And so I delved into stained glass for a couple of months and it was great because he gifted to, he gifted it to me as a way of like, this is your mom time. Go, you take time, you go to your stained glass class. It's three hours long. It's 
30 minutes to get there and back. So I'd like listen to a podcast on my way. I do stained glass and hang out with other creative women. We'd learn stained glass together. I'd get myself some like, like a delicious snack or like dinner on my way. And then I drive home and I'd come home just feeling like totally filled up and fueled and ready to like keep being a mom and keep being creative. And so even though like stained glass isn't like my medium, it was so much fun to learn and to be a beginner in something. And also to give myself permission to be like, I don't have to be good at this. I've no, I I don't know anything about stained glass. I can come at this from a point of a few of a beginner and I can be totally bad at it. And I can give myself permission to just learn and make mistakes. And so my little window that I made is like, wonderfully imperfect but I look at it with so much pride because I'm like I was allowed to be imperfect and I was allowed to learn and anyways so staying classes in my my recent foray and it just kind of changes we tried knitting it just didn't work like I (laughs) I can knit my husband it was just like he got so frustrated with it so we're like all right knitting's off the table so we we try and kind of like you do it together yes we we didn't do stained glass together because we have a a kiddo now yeah uh, anyways but he's gonna try stained glass next so we're we're kind of like flip-flopping that one we're gonna like take turns (laughs) that is so cool an interview over you know that's if you guys could see stuff in my faces like our jaws are dropped we're like, oh, like that is so good that's oh, such a good idea and, oh, is i is knew fun. this interview was gonna be good but i'm not prepared i'm for... still i'm still recovering from my spotify confession <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is already amazing. By the time this podcast airs, I will have cleaned up my Spotify (laughs) (laughs) and it will be very tasteful, creative music (laughs) and one pump-up playlist that is like super awesome. There you go. Perfect. (laughs) So tell us about your, your journey, I guess. So what made you want to start being creative and when was that? Okay. Let's just go back to birth, guys. Oh, yes. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So I think, you know, looking back, you know, now that I live in like work in a creative profession, I've been trying to like really mentally go back and think about this origin story, right? <laughs> um, but I just, I feel like when I really think about it, my mom was amazing at just like letting me be creative and like facilitating that creativity. I'd be like, Hey mom, I really want to learn how to cross stitch. And she'd be like, great. And then we'd get in the car. She'd take me down to our town's little local craft store. We'd pick out all the colors of thread. We'd pick out some patterns and we'd go home and she'd give me like a little rundown and then just like, let me go at it. And so I learned how to cross stitch. And then one one year or one time she was like, how about we learn, do you want to learn like loom, like how to make rugs, like on a loom thing? And I was like, yes. And so she got the little kit and helped me learn how to loom a rug. And then I got really into like making bracelets with beads and with strings and embroidery thread and stuff. And she just was always super game to take me to the craft store. Let me just go at it. And take home some crafting things and just let me be playful and curious and creative. And what's funny is I don't feel like I've ever really given her the kudos she deserves for that, but she is, I think the reason I 
have kind of instilled that there's like this creativity that's been instilled in myself. Cause she just was, it was, there was never pushback. It was always like, yes, let's go do this. And always it gave me that permission, but I mean, and, and my dad, of course, he's kind of more the inspiration behind the, the entrepreneurship side of me. Cause he's an entrepreneur. So that's kind of a different conversation. So origin story wise, when it comes to like doing stop motion, of course I did animations as a kid with a camcorder. Cause we didn't have like fancy photo video cameras way back when you know yeah so we like mm-hmm. i push like play play stop on like my camcorder and then i move things around and play stop and move things around and play stop so it's like this really kind of rudimentary slow moving stop motion yeah. and i submit them for like school assignments and i just thought i was really cool and oh you are you are <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> no i'm like animating like little legos and sharks and things and oh, that is um, very cool it was it was really fun and then of course i grew up a little bit and went off to college and i didn't know what to major in and I'm like I just nothing fits and so I tried like um doing a sewing major and then I tried theatrical costume and makeup design and I I tried all these things where I'm like nothing is fitting me and then I I met this girl and she is actually one of my best friends to this day and like anyway she's she like works with me in golden coil a bunch and she's amazing anyways she was like I am going to apply for the photography major and I was like that's a thing. And, 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 when, and when I realized it was a thing, I was like, that's my thing. That's my thing. <laughs> and so she was applying and I was like, I'm applying too now. And she was like, so gracious to like, be like, okay, let's do this together. And so we, we applied oh, just a couple months off of each other and we both got in and we Aww. went through the photography BFA together and have had kids at the same time and Aww. have, you know, just been really good friends. So, so I took a BFA in photography is what I got Mm -hmm. in school. And I would just like make these little still lives and be like, you know what, this would be so much more fun if it just like moved. And so I'd animate a little piece here, a little piece there, and I'd submit them for my assignments. And my professors were just like, stop it. Don't, <laughs> don't do this anymore they're like it's video or it's photo you can't just like mix them there's no outlet there's no avenue people don't want what you're giving us and I'm like but it's no, cute it's, it's cute right like it's cool and they're just like no and so they're like I had a professor who was just like please do not give us another stop motion for any oh. more assignments and I was like uh-uh. Uh, <laughs> <Nope>. watch me. <laughs> so, so, so instead of, instead, I, I still would submit a stop motion for an assignment, but also a still image and be like, I'm just giving you both. I'm just like covering my bases. Like, <laughs> let's just that. critique both of them while we're here. So I, I can love get some that feedback. It's so much yeah. more work for you for a school assignment. <laughs> I know. It's like, I can give you a still image or I can give you a full-blown animation and you're going to tell me not to put in effort. You're going to critique it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would like feedback, please. <laughs> So kind of did that. And then I started just putting them online. Instagram came out with the video function on my birthday. I remember when that was so cool. It was like June 20th, 2013 video on Instagram. And I, um, the first thing I did was post a stop motion video, like immediately. And I was at work. (laughs) I worked, I worked as like a production manager on for the thing anyways. And so I like got on my phone, I posted a stop motion. Cause I'd, I had been holding them. I'd been making them and keeping them on my phone and like on my computer, but I didn't feel like vine was a really cool app and you can make stop motions mm-hmm. in vine, but you couldn't photograph something on your camera and put it on your 
phone and upload it to Vine. It had to be native within the app. And I just mm. thought that was like an epic waste of time because I'm like, if I'm going to animate something, why would I do it on my phone? Which keep in mind, phones back then are not what phones are now. Yeah, like phones now are phenomenal and have right. amazing cameras. Phones back then did it. So I'm like, I, why would I waste my time making stop motions on like this horrible device that like doesn't have great quality and then like upload it and so I was making them all just for fun and just for my enjoyment and then when Instagram dropped its video feature I put up a stop motion and then creatively like like career-wise everything snowballed it was just like one thing after another one person reached out and was like we want to stop motion and I was like I am actually uniquely capable to make you one and I never felt (laughs) uncomfortable I never felt intimidated by it I always just felt like I know what I'm doing just because I've done it for fun for so long that I went and I did one. And then someone else was like, oh, I saw the video you did for this person. He do it for us. And I did it for them. And both of those companies had really large social media presences. And when I came back to my inbox on a Monday after New Year's, I had 15 client inquiries mm-hmm. and I said yes to every single one of them. And I was starting a new semester of school and I just worked my tail off to do all of these videos. And it just kind of like, then the next month, Lindor Chocolate approached me and then Condé Nast approached me. And then it just like, kept snowballing. And then it was like Bath and Body Works and it was Etsy and it was Aeropostale. And it just snowballed mostly because I think there was just no competition in the market. There's nobody else doing what I was doing. And so there wasn't Which anyone- Which is why your professors no... told you to stop. <laughs> I know. They were like, stop doing this. Successful. <laughs> and, I, and I didn't graduate for a long time because I was like, guys, I can't take classes this semester. I have to be in New York for a month shooting this really massive holiday campaign. And then when I get back, I have to shoot for Aeropostale. So this month, like, I just can't take classes this semester. And so then I take classes the next semester. And then I'd be like, I just got to duck out. I've got some stuff I got to do for Stonyfield yogurt. And anyways, it took me a long time to graduate. And eventually my professors were like, okay, there's some magic to this. It it might be working. It might might be working. (laughs) Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, so so that's that's kind of like the origins. I mean, that's perfect. So who was your first client? I know you've shared this before, like on, you know, different platforms, but who was that first client who approached you? Chatbooks. 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 It was Chatbooks. And then Freshly Picked saw what I had done for Chatbooks. So I did something for Freshly Picked. And then it just like snowballed from there. Yeah. So that is so cool. You're yeah. like a stop motion pioneer. Yeah. <laughs> Not really. I mean, there's people in the movie industry that have been doing right. it forever, but there well, really sure. was nobody ever doing it. I like to consider it like social stop motion. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. shorter, they're bite-sized. You kind of consume them on social media and they're, they're kind of like meant to kind of like stop you in your tracks and provide some delight, you know, and there was nobody doing right. that, you know, yeah. I knew two other people putting their stop motions on social media, but they were creators. They were doing it as, as like a, like I made this video of me doing this thing and, and it was kind of like animating themselves or animating Legos. It was, it was more for fun. And I started kind mm-hmm. of doing it in like a commercial sense as a way to serve clients. And I was the yeah. only one, I did not know another soul. Yeah. And and maybe that's just like, I didn't know other people that is at that so time. Rare and then maybe there were people out there doing it, but I just didn't mm-hmm. know anybody doing it. And so it was great because I had no 
comparison. There's no one to compare myself to. And so I felt like incredibly liberated and free in my creativity because I had nobody to look at and go, oh, they're doing it right. I must be doing it wrong. Or they're being so successful. I must not be, you know, I had no one to compare myself to. And so I just worked like crazy because I just had so much fun doing it. Oh, that's so cool. You were just free to create whatever you wanted. There was no like barriers holding me back on it. It was great. (laughs) Yeah. So when you started, what were some of the challenges that you faced? I know you in the past, you kind of talked about lighting, right? Yeah. So one of the challenges, I mean, so one of the things that was liberating, of course, was there was no one to compare myself to. One Mm -hmm. of the challenges too, was there was no one teaching me how to do anything. So of course in school, I learned the photography basics, but no one was there to teach me stop motion animation. You know, what software you use, what lighting do you use? How do you hook up your camera? to your computer, like all those kind of gear nitpicky things about how to like technically create a stop motion. And so having to like learn from trial and error, but also how to start working with clients. No one was telling like Condé Nast, you know, the, the, the parent company of like Vogue, Glamour, Brides, (laughs) they reach out and like, we want stop motion. I'm like, great. $250. You know, (laughs) like, wait, what? They're like 250. Yeah. That's great. You know, like no one, no one charges, no one charges Condé Nast $250 to like (laughs) spend 40 hours sitting in their basement animating something, but I didn't know. And so, you know, it's like how to charge all those kind of things. It was just like, learning through doing and Mm -hmm. trying to figure it out. And what's, what's funny now is even now I don't feel like, I feel like because all of my, everything is like self-taught, I'm like, I must be doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. But then people ask me and I'm just like, I guess, I guess I have knowledge on this, but it it feels (laughs) like very imposter syndrome-esque where it's like, I just, it's all been trial and error. So I can only tell you from my personal experience how I've gone about it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, then of course, lighting, those kind of things, those have all developed over time, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so you shoot with that overhead, right? Mm-hmm. You have like the, is it a C-stand that you have yeah. that's like attached to the arm? Yeah. Um, when did you kind of get that rig versus what were you doing beforehand? Just a big, just a tripod, yeah. a big tripod. And I would sit on the floor and animate. And when I got pregnant, I was just like, all right, my body is killing me. I like can't oh, sit on the floor and animate anymore. And so I, I realized I needed to get higher up off the ground. And so I bought a C-stand and like this little spigot thing that I could connect my camera to. And then I bought, you know, a table that I could work on. And so now I do almost all of my animations sitting at a table. And recently I upgraded to a concrete table. So it does not move. It is so heavy and it doesn't move. (laughs) It's one of my favorite investments I've made because I'm just like a clumsy person and I'd bump a table or something. And then like 150 grains of rice, I've meticulously placed everywhere. This really happened to me once. All this rice moves and I'm like, great. Uh, I got to start over. What's great? Concrete table has got to be like essential to stop motion. Concrete table is super worth it. Yeah. So when you were first starting out, did you find anyone who could give you advice for any of that? Or were you actually just like figuring it out? Maverick. Truly figuring it out. And I had a professor who worked in commercial photography a lot. and, Mm -hmm. And every once in a while when I got really worried about like client that I was quoting, I'd, I'd be like, all right, in the commercial industry, is this an okay quote? And he'd be like, 
double it. And I'm like, all right, I'll double it, you know? And and, and so it was nice to have someone to kind of like hold my hand in that aspect, but Mm -hmm. there's really nobody there to do that in terms of the actual art of creating stop motion animations. It's so interesting to me that you were obviously very successful in stop motion. You were the only person you knew of doing what you were doing, getting amazing clients, and you were still feeling imposter syndrome, like you weren't doing it right. <laughs> I feel it's that like, now. What is right? <laughs> like I, you're I doing it and it's working and you're amazing. <laughs> it just goes to show how everyone feels imposter syndrome. I think so. I think I think we all do. And one of the one of my favorite quotes, and I'm going to like misappropriate who this quote is from, I swear it's Ansel Adams. But it might have been my photo professor at the time, John Telford. And the quote is when it feels right, it's right. And I, I think and I okay if it is Ansel Adams, I swear I remember this. It's like <laughs> when you're talking about the composition when you're looking through a viewfinder. When it feels right, it's right. That's when you snap the picture. It's, don't worry about rule of thirds. Don't worry about all these rules when it feels right it's right that's the moment Mm. to take the image and I think that that can apply to every aspect of what we do in creativity and in motherhood and in life is like if it feels right it's right and that's kind of like how I learned to say yes or no to clients does it feel right yeah if it didn't feel right and I took them on as a client of course I regretted it later and maybe that was just mindset going into it you know who knows what that factor was but it's just like trusting that gut feeling has always been like really important when you're just kind of like pioneering your own way through something. But I love that quote a lot. Cause even in parenting, I don't know what I'm doing. I have like no idea what I'm doing as a parent. I've like probably should read parenting books or like listen to parenting podcasts or something, but everything I've learned on how to like take care of my child is just like, all right, well, he's taken off his diaper a bunch lately. Let's just potty train him, you know? <laughs> we do potty training because it just felt right, you know? Or mm-hmm. we took away his binky, not just because it was like really impeding his ability to speak. And so it was like, all right, it's time. We got to take it. And, and you know, so it's just, I feel like in parenting, it like helps guide me. It's just like, go with your gut. With when it feels right, it's right. With like taking on clients, when it comes to design in general, like I love abstract expressionist paintings and mm-hmm. I love dabbling in abstract paintings, but I'm like, who knows how to abstract paint? It's abstract, right? Like yeah. it's, it's abstract. So I, took, <laughs> yeah. I took this class on abstract painting just to be like, all right, how do professionals go about this mentally? How do they approach a canvas? And by yeah. the end of the class, I'm like, it really all comes down to, does it feel right on the canvas? Is there harmony? Is there balance? Do the colors work well together? You know? And so I'm yeah. like, it even works in painting. Like it just, it works across all aspects. If it feels right, it's right. I love that. This <laughs> is like so say. validating for me because I'm so intuitive with how I design and like, <gasps> yes, mm-hmm. if it feels right, it's right. <laughs> yeah. So considering that advice, if you could give yourself when you started advice, what would it be? Okay. This is what I would tell myself is that those things that you think are your weaknesses might secretly be your strengths. I think Ooh, that I, yeah. I like have held myself back in a lot of things. And I think as creatives, we do this, we find like there's fears that hold us back. Like we're afraid we don't have enough money or time or energy or bandwidth or knowledge or, you know, so many of those things, or we fear that we have weaknesses that once we start putting things out to the world, people are going to see those weaknesses and that it's going to like devalue what we create. But I think that showing up 
up despite of our weaknesses is a lot of times our superpower. So for, for example, I wanted to start a YouTube channel for like the past five years and I just started one this year and how, I don't know why it took me five years, but I always had this hang up. I'm like, people on YouTube aren't necessarily always the kindest. Sometimes you get trolls. <laughs> sometimes you get people who are like hiding behind you fake usernames. Read the people, comments. people can be unkind. And I just really was worried about people attacking or, or being un- not attacking, but being unkind to me about my mm. physical appearance, because I'm not, I'm, I'm like a little bit bigger and I've, mm. I've got some chubby to this to me. And I worried that I wouldn't be able to have the emotional resilience to like handle unkind comments about my physical appearance. And mm. I, and for a long time, it's just something I've been really self-conscious about. I didn't want to do stop motion classes. I didn't want to do events or anything like that because I didn't want people to be like, oh, well, what she has to say isn't valid because she isn't conventionally gorgeous, you know? <laughs> but then eventually one day I realized, I'm like, you know what? Maybe this isn't a weakness. Maybe just showing up as I am, as a human being, in the body that carries me through this world has a power to itself and is relatable. You know, maybe there's people out there who also feel like held back by how the world might perceive that. Here's the thing. I actually don't think anyone really cares. Sorry. Like I have to catch myself in that. Like, I don't think actually anyone is really looking. And so like, also like add that to our brains, but we're all worried about how we look exactly exactly (laughs) and so I I think that just like showing up as you are might just be your strength or is it a weakness think about it how could that be your strength because I do think that there's I think that that exists right oh my gosh round of applause (laughs) so good and it's a message that needs to be heard because I know that I always consider social media and like being popular, like going viral, any of that stuff. I'm like, oh, no, 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 I can't handle that. Like, I don't have the resilience. I can't like. (laughs) And it's true. Yeah. And so anyway, just makes me consider like, oh, maybe there is like the reason I'm afraid I can like use that to my advantage. So anyway, that's. But I I think too, the reasons that we're afraid of our weaknesses are things that people find relatable about us. And I've always thought like maybe because I'm this short chubby girl that I'm approachable for a job or I'm approachable to be like as a, from a client. If I was this social media, absolutely gorgeous rockstar, crazy person, would people find me really unrelatable and not ask me questions? Cause I get a lot of people who ask me these like wonderful questions and have a lot to, you know, message me about online. And I'm like, if I was a different person or if I looked any different or if I acted any different would I be as approachable? Maybe not, you know, maybe I, maybe there would be like a, I don't know, for some reason in this society, we trust chubby people. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Take that out of the pocket. I don't know. I I get it. I love it. I get it. And everybody has a different idea in their mind of what they need to be before they show up on social media or just oh, totally. to the world in general. And like, for me, it's always like, I cannot show my face unless it has makeup on it. Oh, totally. Like, that is rude. <laughs> <laughs> I do not want to burden people with my naked face, <laughs> but like, why? And where did we learn it? You know, where did we learn it? And I do feel like it's, there's a little voice in my head. That's like, if you are pretty and you look cute then people will want to look at you and then they'll listen to what you're saying and it's like whoa 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 where is this coming from 
Yeah, but what's interesting too is like the upcoming generation, they're like super in opposition to that kind of mentality. Like if you watch TikTok videos, it's like their hair is crazy. They're wearing no makeup and they just like put it out there. And I'm like, they're doing something right. And so I've, I've really tried to be intentional about like not limiting my ability to show up online based on like, do I have makeup on today? Is my hair done today? Am I wearing something cute today? It's like, Mm -hmm. I, if I want to show up, I just show up as I am. And hopefully people can find that relatable. That's like, Oh, Hey, I also haven't put on makeup or done my hair or changed my clothes today. And I'm sitting here watching this and going, all right, that's okay. Yes. I love that. I feel like millennials, we were all like beginning of Instagram, flat lays, outfit of the day, perfect everything, perfect curated feed. And then Gen Z is coming in and they're baggy sweats, no makeup, doing dances, not worrying about what they look like. And it's just like, so liberating. So refreshing. So refreshing. I love it. Yeah. Good stuff. It's good stuff. I wanted to ask you about Golden Coil. So, oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Tell us kind of a little bit about that. So Golden, Golden Coil, it's so it's a custom planner and notebook company. You can go online and you can build it and it comes to you in the mail and it's beautiful. beautiful. And it, it, a lot of it came about because we were looking for a Mother's Day gift for our mom. And we, mm. you know, we saw... We wanted to get her a lovely planner. Her life had kind of changed from being a mom of seven and having like seven schedules, like nine schedules total to keep track of. And at this point, when we were looking for this present for her, a lot of her children were adults and had left for school and she only had three left at home or two left at home. And we were just like, all right, she needs a different method of planning. This like massive calendar that's color coded and like incredibly detailed is no longer helping her. And so let's get her a planner. And we went and we looked and everything started in January and you'd lose all those pages or it starts in July and you couldn't use it for a couple months. And we were just like, Mm -hmm. it's got to be a custom option. And also my sister and I, we couldn't like agree on like, what is the best layout? You know, it's like she, she was a dance major and everything was very time-based and I was a photography major and everything was very project-based. And we just like couldn't agree on like, what is the most helpful thing to our mom in this period of her life? And so we're like, there's gotta be something custom. So we went online to look for something custom and just nothing existed. And I feel like too, every time you walk into a store, you're like, oh, that's the cutest cover. Let's get that one. And you look inside and you don't like the layout or you find a planner and you're like, oh, I love this layout, but you don't like the cover because it has like mm-hmm. gaudy words on it that say something that <laughs> like doesn't ring true for you. And, and so we were just like, how we, we kind of like started talking about this in a car ride as we were like leaving this paper store and we had like an hour long car ride and we were just like, we could do this. We could totally do this. And so we like really pumped ourselves up and got excited. And then we're like, all right, well, let's start sending out some inquiries to printers. And we sent out, I think like 250 something inquiries to printers what? and we got wow. like either no response or the response of, yes, we could cr- produce that for you. One off, it would cost like $240 a planner. And we were like, oh, ah, we can't wait, what? Yeah. No. <laughs> and then eventually it got down to like $180 a planner. And we're like, okay, well, mm-hmm. that's more achievable. And and it just, we had we're, we were at this point where the tech behind custom printing hadn't caught up to our idea yet. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of like pushed pause on it and we both got married and we started you know, we were trying to finish our schooling and stuff. And then we got to this point where we were like, all right, it's now or never. And we we were like, 
we are going to launch it this summer and we're going to just figure out a way. And like miraculously, we found a printer and we found a web development team. We launched a Kickstarter. It was funded. And then we just like kind of built from there and it's been awesome. I'm sensing a theme here that you had an idea (laughs) that the world wasn't quite ready for. (laughs) <laughs> yes yeah, and you did it anyway and then it just exploded because it's exactly what the world needed and wanted <laughs> well it's it's a lot of fun golden coil's pretty cool it is pretty it cool is. so you and your sister didn't like you designed it together you designed all yeah. the layouts and everything together yeah so we we kind of we created this company together in the mm-hmm. beginning it's funny because in the beginning I feel like we were always looking for external validation. Like let's bring in this designer to come and do this. And then in the end it was like, we know what we're doing, you know? And mm-hmm. I even feel like that now it's like anytime we try and bring in an expert to, to help us run our business or, or tell us what to do. I was like, all right, well, we, we know a lot more, you know, it's like, we've been doing this for so long. We know what we're doing or we'll have yeah. someone come in and be like, this is how you need to be on social media. And we're like, actually, that's not how it is. You know, it's like we, our, our biggest focus with Golden Coil in terms of social media is we just want to build a community. We want to build a group of women who all believe that we can live great lives and we can craft beautiful lives for ourselves. And that looks different for every person. And that, you know, we're just trying to like build a community. That's like our number one thing. And then sales and following all those things kind of don't really matter, but they'll follow that, you know? It's like yeah. if we build a community, those other things follow. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Totally agree with that. It can be validating too, because I know that there are times like I took a Instagram course that it was like, teach me how to do, you know, engagement and to get in a community. Uh-huh. And I took the course and everything I was learning, I was like, okay, I already know that. I already know that. I already know that. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So I, like paid, I know what I'm doing. I paid you money have to figure out that I know what I'm doing. I like yeah. paid for validation. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> right. But it can be valuable, but yeah, yeah, you know a lot more than you think you do. Totally. I think that's a, a universal theme for everyone. Yeah. Is that you don't know yes. what you know until, until you, you know you know it. Until you know you yeah. know it. <laughs> But that can take a while. And that that's why imposter syndrome is such a big thing is because you assume you know not enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You focus on what you don't know rather than what you already do know. It's true. So what does an average day look like for you then? Every day so is very different. Um, mm-hmm. So my husband and I, we work together and we have a three-year-old. His name is Elliot and he's the sweetest little boy there ever was. Oh. And um, Does your husband work on Golden Coil with you? Not, not really. I mean, he does a little bit here and there, but we, we like team do everything. We like tag team the production company. I I do most golden coil stuff. And my sister, of course, she does a lot of golden coil stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And he does, he does some things for golden coil, like some video editing and, and some number crunching and, you know, things like that. And then Mm -hmm. we like team raise our child together, you know, and and like take on life together. But like a typical day, like these days, we wake up, we take turns exercising, we get ready for the day, and then we just jump into whatever it is. And we just kind of tag team it. And that's how it looks right now. But during our busy season, it, it will look like 
waking up at five o'clock in the morning, heading down to the studio, animating, coming back upstairs at two o'clock in the morning, getting three hours of sleep and starting over again. And so it's just like, it's just like, it's, it's always different. But what I like about that is that there's no expectation on how we're supposed to live our life that day. I mean, I run an organizational company, so I'm very list oriented and, and like productivity oriented. And so I do have, these are the things we need to accomplish today, but do I need to accomplish them or does Mason need to accomplish them? You know, it doesn't really matter as long as we're kind of like making some progress. But within that vein though, I've been trying to consciously not value a day based on its productivity. The worth of the day is not based on its productivity. It doesn't matter what I got done. Did I enjoy my day? Yes. Um, that doesn't really answer your question of what a typical day looks like. <laughs> no, it's great. It's always it's different. different. <laughs> yeah, it's whatever feels right. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. A lot Sensing of people. We, we talked about this with I think Rachel on Banning Banning Bridges. Her episode is that you have this idea of what you think success is and what your day should look like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, is that it's different for every single person, and there's not one right way to do it. And yeah. that's so hard for people to wrap their heads around. Right. It's so hard, but when you realize that, it's it's incredibly freeing in the way that like like success when it when is. you like come to this conclusion that success is different for everyone. I remember going through a design program and we were about to graduate, and one of my guy friends of the design program, he was just like, we were talking about success, and I'm like, well, what does success look like for you? And he's like, if if I were to picture myself as a successful graphic designer this is what it would be. I live in New York. I work Mm -hmm. for an awesome company. I'm busy all the time and, and I'm doing design work. And Mm -hmm. I'm just like, okay, that's amazing. That's so cool. But that is like, not what success looks like for me. It's like, I would have like extreme anxiety if I lived in New York and had like a really crazy job that kept me very busy. Like that isn't what I would want my life to look like. I would rather kind of have super chill. I, I create things that I enjoy creating. I do it on my time. I can do it with my family and mm-hmm. I do interesting work and I work with great people, but it, there's not as much pressure in where I live. I can kind of live wherever I want. You know, my, um, my, success, my definition of success was just very different than his. And yeah. I think it's important that we really consider, you know, what is success for us? Because I do think you could be like, have the coolest job in the world. You could be the CEO of Disney. You could, you know, you could have the coolest job in the world, but if you're not enjoying your every day or your day to day, or you're not enjoying it more often than not, because of course we all have crappy days, but if, if you're not enjoying your day, are you being successful? Right? right you could have yeah. the coolest job in the world or make the most What's money the in the point? world, but if you aren't enjoying it, are you successful? And I don't think so. I think that success really comes in just like finding joy in our day-to-day lives. Yes. <laughs> and oh, I, I, I think that that works though in creativity and in motherhood and, in, you know, all the things. Right. You know? mm-hmm. I think yeah. we also have the nine to five sitting at a desk mentality stuck in our heads. Yeah. Like I'm not being productive because I was not sitting at my desk from nine to five. Yeah. But like, why? Why does that matter? (laughs) Right. Or I didn't get everything done on my list today. And Mm -hmm. therefore it wasn't a good day. But it's like, did you, if you enjoyed it? It wasn't a good list. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It was a bad list. It's true, though. I need to be better about the kinds of lists I create. That was a a glimpse into my head. (laughs) (laughs) 
because it's true. Because <laughs> like by the end of the day, you're like, I got a million things done, but none of them were on my to-do list, but I did. Yeah. But I did so, stuff. I was, I I was productive in the sense that like, I did something with my life. Life yeah. advanced. Like, <laughs> that's just a glimpse at me at the end of the day for me. Like, well, that wasn't a good list anyway. Good so. list. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh okay, so as much as we want to like have joy and enjoy every single thing we're doing, there's obviously stuff that comes with the job, right? That is oh, yeah. so Hard fun stuff. and glamorous. Um, when you run into that, how do you keep yourself motivated and creative? to like keep going so I feel like there's have you guys read big magic yes okay. I have it and so many people have recommended it all right yeah. Lauren First your one homework on our book club list your homework read big magic it is so okay. good I read it always I, it's like something I'm always listening to on an audiobook and it's like if I need a little hit of inspiration I listen to it but I probably go through the book quarterly if not like six times in a year truly I really enjoy it and I know that there's a lot of criticism out there towards the book but I I really enjoy it and I like her like spiritual look at creativity I like a a lot of it but one of the things she talks about is like martyr energy versus trickster energy um Mm -hmm. you know the martyr being like the tortured artist or you know Mm -hmm. and this this kind of like I will die for my creativity creativity has cursed me I have to bring forth the forth this work oh woe is me is kind of that martyr energy Mm-hmm. there's the trickster energy that's like kind of like how can we game the system how can we make this entertaining so when I come across things in my line of work that I I'm just like this is a slog or I'm really drained by this a lot of times it's like okay how can I game the system how can I make this fun mm-hmm. for myself or how can I make this an enjoyable experience or how can I do this in a way that I do it really quickly and so that it's over quickly but it's like how can I approach this as a trickster and how can I just kind of like enjoy it, you know, but of course there's always hard things and there's things that like make your stomach tie into knots, like, you know, quoting a client, a really massive number and like your stomach's in knots. Cause you're like, I really want this client, but I also really want to be paid what I'm worth for it. And, you know, and yeah. then you're just like waiting or you send off a video and you're like, okay, fingers crossed. I don't have them come back with like 5 billion edits or a reshoot, you know? And so, I mean, there's all mm-hmm. those kind of like difficult things and hard things that you have to deal with. But I, I try to like trickster energy it. Yeah. Like reframe <laughs> your mindset around. Totally. Like, what that negative thing actually could be. It's email. <laughs> email is the worst thing invented. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Email is the greatest. It, it is the greatest because it means I don't have to have like a million phone calls in a day. But man, do you guys ever just feel drained by your inbox? That's yes. Yes. I had considered hiring an assistant just to do my emails. Right? Like, that's it. They just do my emails for me because that's all really that I just don't like doing. (laughs) It's just answering all the emails. I know. And okay, so our time is coming to an end, but I wanted to ask really quick how do you go about finding new clients? Do they mostly find you? Is it references? Like, how do you kind of keep your work going? Um, So, people find me. (laughs) I have only ever once done any well okay so this is how it goes I post to social media and my inbox gets filled up with client inquiries and so I post to social media basically only I like very sporadically I just it's just social media 
Social media. I have this. I did this YouTube video with a friend of mine. His name is JP Morgan. His YouTube channel is called The Slanted Lens. We did this video and it's like a ranked YouTube video, meaning when you search stop motion, our video comes up. And we have like probably 1.5 million views on it right now. And I can't tell you how many times I'll get a call from someone who's a potential client and be like, oh, I was just like Googling stop motion and your video came up. And I just thought, hey, she looks like she knows what she's doing. Let's just ask her. And so I'm like, sweet. So like YouTube and being like ranked in that kind of like social media way has really helped. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just like building a social media presence. And then word of mouth. I have a little group of animator friends that were very community based in the way that we give jobs to each other when it doesn't fit or when we're working on something else. And so we just kind of do like a lot of referring back and forth. And so a lot of times an animator friend will be like, hey, I don't have bandwidth for this. I just sent them your way. And I'm like, cool, sweet. And and there's like a lot of give and take on that too. So social media, a network of an animator friends, that kind of thing. But I do have this really cool demo reel. It's like a video and I give it to people. So if I go to a big conference and I meet the social media team for mm-hmm. name the client, I will hand them a video reel and they'll open it up. and it'll Like play on your my... iPad or like you send them a link or like? No, it's this, it's a book. It's like this little kind of like booklet. I give it to them and they open it and there's a video player in it. And my reel will just start playing and they'll always be like, this is so crazy. And I have gotten so many jobs from in-person meeting people, giving them my reel, them seeing it in their hands and being like, all right, cool. What should we do? And that's so cool. So that's really fun. You don't hear about that very often as actually having something physical to hand yeah. to someone other than like a business card. Especially for yeah. video. Yeah. yeah. It's like Harry Potter land. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'll hand like a, a physical video player and then they keep it. That's and so what's smart. great is it, it's kind of it's kind it's not huge, but it's like a it's kind of bigger. And so if it sits on their desk, it's something people don't want to throw away because it's like yeah. a piece of tech. So no one wants yeah. to chuck it. So it like sits on their desk until they hire me. <laughs> and so it like reminds them constantly like, oh yeah, we need to work with Trisha. Oh yeah, we should put Trisha on that campaign. You know, I found out recently too that one of my clients, they found me, they do this like weekly inspiration session where they just tell all of their employees in their marketing, social media department, they're like, just go, just go spend the whole day online consuming content, just like go on Pinterest, go on Instagram, go on YouTube, go on, you know, all these different platforms and just come back to us with the things that are most inspiring to you. And there were, they said, you came up in every meeting for like months and then it just, and and so they're like, we finally were like, all right, well, we have to hire her because we've talked about her work on like a weekly basis for like three months. So yes. yeah, that was really cool too. You learn about that in design school, right? You're like, you have to have a physical portfolio. Like here's ways you can differentiate your portfolio, get it in their hands, make it so they don't throw it away. Like give them something to keep. Mm-hmm. And not, not once in my five or six years of freelancing have I actually done anything like that. <laughs> like, or, or really heard anyone who's told you that it was a success because yeah. no one does it. Yeah, <laughs> right. And so that's really it's cool. worth it. Um, it's worth it. I, for me, it's been an in-person thing though. It's like, if I meet someone in person and we hit it off and we're like really, you know, vibing, then I'll give it to them. Cause I keep them for only the people who I know will really appreciate them. 
<laughs> so yeah. I've, I've never really sent any of them in the mail. I was intending to send them to agencies and then it just never ended up being something I cared to do. And I just started giving them to people who I met at conferences and things. Yeah. And that also goes to show that like putting yourself out there in lots of different ways gives mm-hmm. you the return you're looking yeah. for. Yeah. Like you have to be willing to meet in person, give face-to-face, and you have to put mm-hmm. different platforms, like use the different platforms of social media, go out, be willing to kind of put your work out there because totally. the right people will find you. They'll talk about you for months, right? Yeah. 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 And I remember being at um, school and I had like a thousand followers on Instagram and I thought I was the shiz. <laughs> and I remember talking to my professor and he was like super naysayer on social media. And I, and I, mm-hmm. and he had an Instagram account. He was like, had like 56 followers or something. And I'm like, well, I have a thousand. <laughs> and, so. I, and he, and he was like, not into social media, but he was like, wait, you're telling me you can post your work online and 1000 people are going to see it. And I was like, yeah, 1000 <laughs> people. And he was like big into gallery showings and stuff. And he's like, if I put my work in a well-known gallery, I wouldn't get a thousand people in to see it, you know? And he's like, you have the ability to reach a thousand people every single day. And I'm like, uh-huh. And he it, he kind of like started to change his mind, but it also made me realize too, years ago, okay, this is an incredibly powerful tool. If you even have 50 followers, that mm-hmm. is 50 people with eyeballs on your work every day. And if you were sitting in a room with 50 people, you'd be so nervous to be like, okay, this is the thing I made. Yeah. Here it <laughs> is. And I feel like sometimes with social media, we get like really bogged down by like, ah. Oh, only 2,000 people saw my video, but it's like Mm -hmm. 2,000 people (laughs) saw your video. Like that's crazy, you know? Um, so I just, it's a social media, man. It's if you want to get your work out there, put it forth to those like 50 people who want to see it. And then more people will come and then you'll be showing 60 people and then it will build over time. But it's not an instantaneous thing, even though sometimes social media kind of like tricks us into thinking it's this instantaneous thing. It's like, oh, you you make great work. You must have now 100,000 followers. And that is not the case. Right. You know, it's something that over time, if we build it, it will become a very interesting. We will get to a very interesting place. Be yourself. Yes. Do the work. <laughs> And the people who resonate with it will join you. Yeah. And, and also realize it's not about you. You know, it's, I feel like mm-hmm. I, I came to this realization in high school. I walked into a party and I was like super self-conscious about what I was wearing and how my hair looked and all those things. And I, and I sat there and there's like this moment of clarity where I'm like, everyone must be feeling this way. And I feel mm-hmm. like that it's probably very similar to social media where it's like, everyone must be feeling this way. And so in high school, I thought to myself, okay, well, if everyone's feeling this way. How do I show up? And how, how can I kind of like trick or like game the system? And I realized if I showed up and I just showed a genuine interest and I asked people questions and I cared about their lives that you can sure gain a whole lot of friends by just being kind. Right. And so I feel like social media is very similar where we all are very focused on what it is we're creating, what it is we're putting online. And of course it's your Instagram page, but sometimes it just feels very narcissistic. You're like, it is the me show. It is my Instagram (laughs) account. This is what I am creating. This is what I am doing. If you can show up on social media and make it not just about you, but about creating a community, whether it's around what you're doing, like let's all talk about stop motion, our children, 
all, you know, all these different things. If you can make it, if you could include people, if you can bring people into that, I think that's also where you'll find success on social media is not just being incredibly narcissistic and saying it's all about me, but saying, how can we all benefit from a community together? Thank you so much. This has been so fun. I just wanted to say thank you for giving your stop motion course for free during the pandemic. (laughs) Yeah, I was so excited about that. I did it with my sons and it was just like such a fun thing to do together. And I had so many people be like, I did that course that you shared. She's so cute. And that was so fun. And that was so cool of you to offer. Thank you. That's very kind of you. I'm glad you were able to take it. It was a crazy time for us. We didn't realize that a pandemic created such a need for this kind of thing where it's like a creative outlet that kids could be a part of, but also Mm -hmm. didn't require like a ton of parental supervision. Um, And and it just, it just it exploded. Perfect. Like we weren't anticipating that so many people would resonate with what we were giving out. We had 20,000 families take <gasps> the class and, Whoa. and like, I mean, we had been selling the class for a year before that. And I mean, I don't even think we'd hit like a single thousand had taken it. Wow. You know, we were like in the hundreds. And so when we started giving it away for free and we saw 20,000 families take it, we were just like, it just felt so validating that it's like people are enjoying it. People want to learn this. And it was just really cool too. just like, I was, I get a lot of kid videos. And even yesterday I had a, this eight-year-old interview me for a school project. <laughs> She's like, can we set up a zoom call? And I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so I, I was like prep for the podcast. I'm like, I will be ready. <laughs> it's just been really cool to see these kids have, just this great experience with creativity and stop motion in a time that was really stressful. Like at the beginning of the pandemic, everyone was very confused. Nobody knew what was going on. Everything was shutting down and we've never experienced anything like that before. And I'm like, if I was a kid right now, I would, I wouldn't understand what my parents were like communicating to me. Like, Oh, everybody's sick. So we can't go to school and you can't go to gymnastics and we can't go to church and we have to stay home. And I'm just like, these poor kids, they don't understand what's happening in the world and how can we create something fun for them? And, I, and this course was just like low hanging fruit. It was like, if we could just give this to these kids, it could really hopefully help kind of like heal some of the, the hard things that they're going through and kind of like divert their attention from bad things to like using their creativity in a positive way. So that was like my hope. I don't know, but it ended up being like a really cool thing. And I'm just, I'm, so happy we did it because I get I have a lot of little friends now (laughs) I get get a lot of like emails from like hi I'm 10 I took your course can I show you my video and I'm like please show me your video and so it's it's fun and I'm really hoping I hope that in like 20 years someone wins an Oscar for a beautiful animation film that they created they don't have to say it was because of me but I hope (laughs) that inside they're like and I started stop motion during the pandemic because Trisha gave her course (laughs) so I hope I hope one day some some little person wins an Oscar for a stop motion and hopefully too it creates this like almost like baby boom but like stop motion boom where it's like yeah. in a couple of years from now it's just like stop motion is everywhere <laughs> like everyone's doing you. it because they learned it as kids during the pandemic 
Yes. Anyways. Yes. Well, oh, yeah, you are that. transforming the world. I don't think so, but thank I you. I Seriously. Know. Someone's world amazing. has been transformed by what you've done. So. I, don't, I don't know about that, but Just, it sure yeah. is fun. Well, you're so awesome. Kate. Do you want to share guys. like where we can find you online? Like, yeah, anything? sure. You can find me online. I am at Trisha Zemp on pretty much all the platforms. If you find me around TikTok, I produce really horrible videos, but I'm trying <laughs> to be better. Um, and then Golden Coil is at golden.coil on Instagram, or you can go to goldencoil.com or trishazemp.com. And that's where I am. Or if you want to learn stop motion, it's stopmotion.school. If you have kids that want to learn stop motion, or if you want the course for free, just DM me and I'll give it to you for free. The course I was giving away in the pandemic, the stop motion kids camp, you can DM me and I'll give it to you. You're amazing. (laughs) Well, seriously, thank you so much. This has been so fun. I just, I'm like, I need, I need more women in design to like have conversations about design in an elevated way. And so when you guys reached out, I was like, this is what I was looking for. (laughs) And so it's honestly been so refreshing. You guys are doing great things. And I am just the first of many, many, many who are going to feel this way. Oh man. Don't you guys just love Trisha? She's just one of those people who makes you feel so good when you talk to them. I absolutely love her, if you can't tell. As you know, we read a review every week. And if we read your review, DM us on Instagram and we'll send you some goodies. So this week's review is from The Usual. It says, just listen to episode 11 and I'm hooked. This was such a good podcast to listen to I was painting. I'm definitely inspired. Thanks again. Thank you so much for your review. You guys, these reviews help us so much. We haven't received a review in a minute. So if you're enjoying it, we'd really appreciate your review. We love you guys. Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening. If today's episode resonated with you, let us know by tagging us on Instagram. Maybe share a screenshot of the episode. And of course, write us a review, rate and subscribe. We hope you feel uplifted, inspired, and encouraged to go for it. To stay up to date on all things Design Beat, you can visit us at designbeatpodcast.com and join our mailing list there. You can also follow us on Instagram at designbeatpodcast. See you there.